0: Thanks for tuning in to Solving for B, the podcast that cuts through the clutter and examines the latest developments in branding and marketing. In this week's episode, we'll discuss a key question. Is net promoter score the best way to predict financial performance? Join us as we enter the realm of metrics and measurement on Solving for B with Brand Extract.
1: Hi, and thanks for joining us today for the Solving for Bee podcast. In today's episode, we're talking about customer metrics and predicting performance based on those metrics. And to help me address the topic, I'm joined by data science advisor, Dr. Vikas Mittal.
2: Hello, how are you?
1: And CEO <laughs> of Brand Extract, Bo Bodhi. Hey, guys. <laughs> thanks for lending us a little bit of your expertise today, guys. Um, so today, we're, we're going to discuss customer success metrics and their ability to predict financial growth. With that said, net promoter score seems to be a metric that's pretty popular these days, but studies have shown that it isn't actually the best predictor of financial performance. So, um, why do we think that people believe it to be uh, really useful when, when actually multiple studies have proven otherwise?
2: Well, so it depends, you know, a lot of companies use net promoter score for many, many different reasons. Right? So so part of what it is, it's simply a herd mentality. You know, company X is doing it, company Y is doing it, so we also need to do that. right? And um, the second reason is that there is some kind of a psychological comfort where I've been in meetings with executives and they just want to grow their net promoter score because somebody's compensation may be tied to it or... There is an inherent belief that if we we increase net promoter score, somehow we'll have higher market share or we'll have higher financial performance. So a lot of it's based on a general belief
0: that people might have. And as with any data, I mean, the key to it is, what do you want to get out of it? You know, what is that number measuring? And it's just one number. And so if you don't understand the variables that input that number or affect that number, then you're not going to get anything out of it. I mean to to Vikas's point that the challenge is not as much raising the number as it is understanding what it is that drives a specific number and whether some things whether things off of that data are actionable.
2: So so if you think about the net promoter score, right? So net promoter score is typically based on what they call promoters and detractors you know so promoters are people who presumably love your company and they promote it and detractors are presumably people who hate your company and they don't they won't promote it so it's the it's the difference between the two when you look at any company you know there is a large portion of people who are more or less indifferent mm-hmm. right and you can see that in this day of mass customization in this day when there's product proliferation, there isn't really much differentiation. So customers switch back and forth through many products. So what happens for a company is a company that's only focused on people who love it or people who hate it can miss the big part in the middle. As an example, uh, we just finished uh, a study for a a large uh, oil and gas company in Houston, and the management believed that net promoter score is linked to increased revenue. You know, when we ran the numbers, we found out that NPS has zero correlation with their revenues, bookings, or any kind of financial metric that the management believed NPS would be helpful if they grew the NPS score, right? So that's fine, but... When I asked the question to senior management, like going forward, would you like to measure NPS score or not? The answer was 100% yes. Right. And the reason is, well, we don't care if it predicts anything or not. We just believe in it.
1: Uh-huh. So it's it's not tied to any like firm hard data. It's just right. you know. Right.
2: So so you know, and 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 those are some reasons why you know at least it gives senior management, it gives management a target that's quantifiable. And there's a lot of comfort just in that, that there's a quantifiable target that we have to move.
0: Right. And I think that, that's, that times are changing, right? I mean, our ability, our ability to capture data and information and then quickly parse through it, go through it, and find insights from it is, is so incredibly better, so much better today than it was just five years ago. You know, the, the ability to really look at data real time, make action, you know, be actionable with that data real time, it's a lot easier today. And I think that that's probably what, it's almost like a, a technology curve that management's trying to catch up with, right? You know, the NPS was the only way 10 years ago or five years ago to be able to see very quickly what's going on. Now there are other ways that are more in-depth. But it's easier for them to latch onto that one number, and it becomes more of a vanity number than a, than a real predictor of success.
1: Yeah, and it seems like somebody, and I think Vakas may have mentioned it when we were in um, preparation for the episode, is is it seems like some companies are looking for that magic bullet, that one number, to, to, to almost oversimplify things like, hey, if we get this to, you know, making it up, if we get this number to X... Um, We'll, we'll be riding high, and if it's below that, we just know we need to get there. Right. Um, but it's more complex than that.
2: Yeah, it is, it is, right? And uh, especially uh, when you talk about companies that have complex offerings, so a B2B company or companies that are industrial manufacturing companies, those types of companies, things are a lot more complex. So an NPS alone will not give you the full picture, right? So, so you think about it, management typically wants to know two things, right? So they want to know, is there a metric that's related to customers. If I look at that metric, I get a sense that we are fulfilling the brand promise, right? So, so you wanna know that metric. And then the next thing you wanna know, if we are fulfilling the brand promise, we should see growth in revenue, growth in sales, growth in profit, EBITDA, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the other thing. On the input side, companies want to know, right? So what are the big initiatives? that we should be investing in to make sure we are correctly fulfilling the brand promise, that we are focused on those things that are important to customers and all our resources are aligned with that. So those things require a more complex approach than, say, like, you know, we latch onto one number and try to grow it.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, the the complexity, and Vikas was talking about this in B2B, you know, you'd almost assume B2C would be more complex, but the reality is if I'm going to buy a Razor I buy a razor. and, and I, you know, they're almost become so commoditized. But when I'm talking about a drill bit, or I'm talking about a medical device, or I'm talking about some sort of educational program, referrals from other people as well as service as well as my job depends on this decision, right? I mean, I, I buy a bad razor, I throw them away. You know I, by, I purchase a bad educational program that I institute in a school. The stakes are a lot higher on that. It's a bigger it's a bigger purchase, plus it, it changes the culture of my school or my thing. I, I use a different drill bit, and it slows down the drilling of the well. You know, the stakes are higher, and so understanding really what goes into the decision to buy and then customer alignment with those things and, and their alignment with your brand, all of those things start to matter more than does this customer like me enough to refer me
1: yeah well and and i definitely don't want to make this all about net promoter score and you guys are kind of talking about a couple different Mm -hmm. um customer success metrics what are some of the other customer success metrics out there maybe more popular i mean i'm sure there's a ton but are there some that um that in place of net promoter score that we think might be better or worse or 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 just a a few that people may use around um the, the business world
2: Yeah, so that's a great point. I think so, so if, you know, um, so I've done a lot of research in this area, and if you look at like 30, 35 years of research, it turns out that the best metric in this regard turns out to be customer satisfaction for two reasons, right? So one is on the output side, customer satisfaction has been shown to be the only metric that will predict a variety of financial outcomes, including sales, revenue, margin, profit, EBITDA, and long-term stock value. No other metric predicts all of that. The reason behind that is that, you know, customer satisfaction actually measures the extent to which a company has delivered on the promise that was made to the customer, right? So, and, and this ties directly into branding because branding, when we think about branding and we say, like, what is the gestalt of a brand? It's really the promise that we make to the customer, right? And customer satisfaction that measures the extent to which that brand promise gets fulfilled. So so that's the main reason I believe that it works so well. I think on the other side, input side, what you can also do as a company is you can get a better handle of what are your priorities and what are the customer's priorities that makes them more or less satisfied, right? So if your brand is, for example, all about product, then you can measure satisfaction with that strategic area and link it if your brand is all about technology you can measure that if your brand is all about uh, you know touch and if your brand is all about service you know uh, then you can measure all of these things so it gives the flexibility to capture the complexity of the customer's interaction and the customer expectation of the brand That's why it turns out to be such a powerful metric, both academically and more important for managers who want to implement and get things done both at a strategic and the ground reality level.
0: Yeah, and if you just look at operations, let's say you look at operations without looking at customer service, or you look at Safety without looking at customer service, or you look at customer satisfaction, or if you look at these different things without looking at customer satisfaction as the lead, right? because isn't saying these other things aren't important. It's it's using as the bucket customer satisfaction. They're going to refer. They're going to pay a higher price. They're going to they're going to consider you as a premium in the market. They're going to be more loyal. But what are the components of those of that decision? And that may be different from company to company. Again, a lot of the metrics that we see, these one number kind of things, don't really provide you with all of those insights to where you can say, look, we, our response time needs to be better. Our product quality needs to improve to improve customer satisfaction, which will then lead to whatever your strategic outcome, whatever strategic outcome you're looking for.
1: Right, and it speaks to the idea of a more complex Number. I mean, the, the ultimate, you know, the one number that we come up with is, is affected by multiple inputs. So one of the necessities for a good number that will predict financial f- performance is that um, the metrics need to be enduring. They they can't be uh, just a fad or just uh, something, you know, simple or surface level.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that's a very important point, right? So, so you can go and talk to anybody and say, you know, do you believe that businesses or customer value propositions have become simpler over time. Almost everybody will say, no, they have become more complex, right? The rapidity which, with, with which they change has become more complex, and it's, it's more complex, it's faster, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, we say, like, we can now come up with a very simple number that will capture all of this complexity, right? So, so that is basically a fad, right? Okay. So you've got to have a metric that's enduring Right. So it's, it, it, you know, like when we talk in terms of fashion, right. So like, you know, why is Chanel enduring is because it's not in terms of fad. It has value that that's, you know, that that's timeless. So you need a metric that is so adaptive as the business evolves, structure around it can evolve.
0: Let's use, for example, Southwest, you know, as a current example of what's going on. Right. I mean, they have they've have historically said, you know, we put our employees first. And that was their brand is all based on, and and their intent, to Vecasa's point, was customer satisfaction. It wasn't, we put our, com- our employees first because we want them to make a lot of money, or we put our employees first because we always think they're right. We put our employees first so they're trained appropriately, that they understand the customer, that they understand their needs, and they're happy, so that they can deliver on that kind of love brand that they've talked about. You know, the tragedy that just happened with them, with their, you know, with their engine and and this woman dying how will southwest fare if they say their customer i mean their value their brand is all about their employees delighting their customers customer satisfaction and and honestly when you look at stock price when you look at the way people are reacting to the issue you know they're not getting as beat up as another airline might be you know for an issue like this they're taking it head on they're talking about what's going on their executive team is you know, hasn't thrown anybody internally under the bus, you know, they've stayed very true to their brand. Well, if customer satisfaction, they, they know that, you know, I haven't seen their model, right? We haven't done research on it. We could, but their model includes as part of customer satisfaction, employee happiness, safety, you know, maintenance, consistency, all those things. What are the weight of those different, the the complexity of the metrics, you know, the number, Mm -hmm. You know what are the complexity? What 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 is the complexity that goes into that? I think you, that's what you have to consider when you're talking about you know, and all good brands have been like this. All good brands have always been like this. It's just now we're at a point where you can actually measure it.
1: Yeah, seems like there's a focus, especially in that example, that it's it's more of a focus on inputs over outcomes. Um, you know, you put in you put in good to the brand that number is going to be affected um, and and ultimately that's going to drive your your stock price that's going to drive your your uh, EBIT as 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 the mentioned
2: well so it's it's more subtle in in the sense there are a couple things that happen right so in a theoretical world you know a company could be excellent on everything so you want to be excellent on safety you want to be like take the southwest example you want to be excellent on service you want to be excellent on you know, the, the quality of your aircraft,
1: right.
2: you know, and you want to charge a lower price. But that's not possible for a company, right? So a company, in effect, then has to choose what are the one right. or two or three key inputs to its brand promise, right? And then prioritize on that, right? So that weighting, like how much weight should we give on customer service versus how much weight should we give on safety versus how much weight should we give on, say, comfort, that is the thing that helps a business to become profitable over the long run. So we see this time and time again. You know, companies that try to be everything to their everything to all their customers all the time, you know, the promise becomes so diffuse that mm-hmm. eventually customer satisfaction declines.
0: Right. There's no brand. I mean, at that pace, you're trying to be everything. It's like, a, it's like a person that tries yeah, sure. to be everything. You can't really put them in a box. So you don't really know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. So you can't respond to them appropriately or use them the right way. I mean, it's any kind of, I've got a hammer and it nails things really well, but I want to use it to take out nails. Well, okay. It does those two things really well, but what if I wanted to screw something in with it? If, if you tried to make it do all those things, there's a point where the utility of that. Yeah. That hammer isn't as good, and it's the same thing with the business.
2: Diminishing returns, right? right. So, so, just right, as exactly. an
0: example, right? So,
2: you know, so Bo and I got to work for a um, large company. It's like a waste management type of company, and they were trying to do a lot of different things. And when we did some work with them, our models showed that the three things that they need to focus on are is basically better pricing, billing and services, and after sales service. Mm-hmm. Those were the only three things customers wanted, and they were investing so much money in so much different initiatives. So it's not that we asked them to spend more money. We said, just take your existing budget and reallocate it. Right. Right? And that helps. Right. Same thing like with another company. They were focused on technology. And when we started working you know, with, with, with their customer satisfaction data, what we find is that their customers basically want better project management. Yeah. Right? So so they took some budget out of technology and focused on project management and you started to see stronger scores on their brand, customer satisfaction, and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, and so is are these, you know, as we're talking about all the, you know, the, the, the in this example, there are three specific areas that we need to focus on. It sounds like these are the things that we need to consult as we're coming up with this metric rather than uh, the metric that we're going to use as the silver bullet, however you want to say it we should consult that those metrics as we try to determine which one is the best fit for organization. Is that, is that fair to say, or is that off the mark?
2: Yeah, it, it, it's, that's exactly what we're saying, because what, what we're saying is that rather than just latching onto a metric, you need a metric that's enduring. You need a metric that's flexible and you need a metric that captures the complexity of your business. and, and you know, and, and, actually links very well to your entire overall brand or brand promise. And and what we have seen in a lot of the work that we have done now, that customer satisfaction turns out to be such a metric. Yeah. It has all these desirable properties, so it can actually allow somebody to look at the hard quantitative things that they want. It can allow people to look at the softer things, the, the sort of the non-quantifiable aspects of brand, and then give good guidance into how to prioritize
0: resources. Yeah. And then it focuses it focuses that effort on the customer. I mean, in the end, they're, you know, they're going to drive value. You know, cost-cutting works to a point. Um, making people do a certain things work to a point. Improving your product quality works to a certain point. Adding technology works to a certain point, but it doesn't work for everything. You know, right. if the customer's not happy, if they're not ready, if they're not willing, you know. And that's where I think the fallacy of a, a net promoter score or other things, it's not that they're not good numbers it's the fact that it doesn't measure the complexity of what how your brand reacts with your customer, and I think that that's the key to making these numbers more effective for leadership
1: yeah well, it's interesting because I think, i think the 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 rap and even Focas uh had a piece in the in the uh a m a on the a m a website that um i think it starts with you know you had a you had a colleague once who recently said um I think it's high time we do away with with customer satisfaction um, because it doesn't. I don't think it it appears that it's not necessarily that complex. It appears that it's surface level, do we have happy customers? Yes or no? But really, what we're saying is that this is um, that that metric itself is is complex enough to right. to carry that the weight of of this type of yeah, number. The,
0: the why, the why are they satisfied, and the how it impacts. Your profitability, the way you work, that's the key thing. And with anything, right? The why is what's the most important piece to it. And that's, I think, with what Vikas has been talking about and the research he's been doing for years, um, you know, that's what he's finding.
1: Yeah. And, and on the converse side, it seems like net promoter score at least seems like it's more complex uh, but in reality, maybe it's it's not as effective. So one, one of the final things I want to get to, we talk about customer satisfaction being a, um, a good predictor of financial performance. Is there a caveat to that? Um, is it more customer satisfaction is always better or is there a, a threshold? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So more is not always better, right? So, so in at least, you know, so, so we've done a lot of work in this area and one of the, big studies that we've looked at B2B companies. And if you find that there is sort of a seven point scale, what we find is the sweet spot is around 5.8, 5.9, around six. Beyond that, what happens, it takes a lot of effort and it, you know, to, to make the customer more satisfied, but it doesn't result into the same amount of loyalty. And so your sales may go up, but your margins and EBITDA will dip if you try to over-satisfy your customers because you're spending way too much money to get that little extra juice on satisfaction. Right.
1: So it's a, it's a point of diminishing returns. Well, I think that, that pretty much covers um, the topic for today, guys. I really appreciate you taking out the time um, sharing some of your insights. So we'll let you get out of here, and uh, thanks. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the latest issue of Solving for Bee. You can rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Your reviews help our podcast reach the branding and marketing community. We'll catch you next week for another round of Solving for Bee with Brand Extract.